everybody, and welcome back to another fine episode of Glorious Rugby. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick from Rugby Morning. And with me, as always, is my fellow co-host, Alistair Kirsch Poole, AKP. What is going on, brother? Not too much. Old glory on a bye week, so just been relaxing, taking in the rest of the MLR, taking in some Six Nations, and yeah, having a chill one. You know, after all the excitement of round one, I was like, okay, let's go right into round two. And then I was like, oh, that's right. We have a bye. But let's talk a little bit about the bye week that Old Glory DC had, right? So obviously they beat Chicago in round one at home, which is great. Yeah, thank goodness. Can you imagine going into that bye week with a with a loss? I'm glad it was a win. Bottom line is they did what they need to do. They hung up a W in that game and they moved on. So everyone else can just quiet down. And we'll talk about the Eastern Conference standings in a little bit and the table stakes for round three so soon. But I'm going to temper some of that. I know I'm getting a little excited. My voice is rising a little bit. i got to calm down. As you said, it's chill. It's chill. So let's talk a little bit about Old Glory bye week. A little bit of a lighter week, right? A couple of injury concerns. Anything we should call out going into round three? Yeah. So we haven't had an update on any of the injuries. Not that I've seen anyway. Um, but it, from what everyone was saying after last week's game, we should have Corey Daniel back. We should have Junior Sal. We should have everyone, really. Um, uh, possibly even John Lefebvre, but I don't know about him. He seems to have taken on more of a longer-term injury. So, yeah. The team was actually practicing, too, um, which... Chicago also had a bye week this this weekend, and they seem to have used that opportunity to let their players go off and, and do whatever, which seems weird for an expansion team, and especially when one of their yeah. big problems uh, against us was that they were just incohesive and they didn't have that, that game time together to gel, which is why they got better as the, the match went on. But then they... They just decided to give everyone some time off, whereas Old Glory seems to have kept their nose to the grindstone, kept practicing, which honestly makes more sense to me. It's a week to buy. Yeah, I agree. There's There was probably, okay, a, a day or two of kind of a lighter activity, rest, heal, recovery, stretch, massage, all that good stuff, making sure your body's loose. It's a long season, a lot of games. But you said it is. it is an early buy, so why not? keep that continuity and that momentum going, particularly after a round one win. Other thing to note, Jamison Fondano Schultz, you pointed out at the end of the game in round one, it looked like he had a shoulder was bothering him or something, but on a most recent interview he had on um, Road to Glory, Old Glory DC's official podcast, he said he was fine, so optimistic that everything is good there. Shout out to our friends there at um, the Road to Glory, Ryan Yee, the host there. But so yeah, it seems like Seems like everyone's pretty much healthy and coming back for round three, so certainly optimistic that the boys will be ready to go against New York, which is exciting because let's talk a little bit about the standings in the Eastern Conference. AKP, don't look now, but where is Old Glory DC right now in the standings in the Eastern Conference? Number two, and that's without playing. That's missing a week, and they're still at number two. 
which is great, right? So you've got New York at number one. They've got five points. They're beating Old Glory on the point differential. New York does have a have a pretty strong defense. Old Glory DC is currently second. The New England Free Jacks had a tough match out in San Diego on Sunday. They're third. They've got five points. They're one and one. New York's also one and one. I should have mentioned that. Rugby ATL, which I think they're actually a better squad than maybe their record shows. Again, it's only two games into the season. They've also had five points. And then you've got Toronto at fifth and 0-2. And, and Nola Gold, no points. They're down at the bottom at 0-2. I think a disappointing start for Nola. I think high expectations there. But just wanted to point out, oh, glory. We're the only undefeated team in the East, then. That is correct. That is correct. You love to see it. See, I think that should make us at the top of the standings, personally, but they don't ask me. <laughs> no, they don't ask you. They don't ask us um, at all. But again, good to see Old Glory DC right there in the mix. And again, with the early season by, it made things a little tricky, but right back into it. Big Eastern Conference battles, New York around three, and then the following weekend, they've got New England. So, I mean two really big statement games that I think is really going to determine how well Old Glory is going to do this year. If we can go 2-0, and if we can go 1-1, and I'll take either one of those scenarios. I don't want to take an 0-2 unless they're playing well and it's competitive, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But it is cool to see that we are second right now in the standings in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and second only on points differential. Tied for first, really. Yep. So standings are fun. Standings are cool. But then we also have some power rankings, some MLR power rankings. At Rugby Morning, I like to put out a little fun power rankings. You've got your model that's got some power rankings. I want to just briefly cover some of the power rankings, right? So going into round two, going into round two, the power rankings that I put out, I had Old Glory DC at seven, okay? And that was plus one from when they started the season then started the season i had them at eight optimistic but still you got to show me something they beat chicago in round one i moved them up a spot so they're currently seven so i'm going to update them and share them later this week it may actually be coming out by the time you hear this podcast i might i'll give you a preview i might have old glory old glory dc at six what do you think of that and what are your mlr power rankings for round three yeah so i think I think that's fair. It's going to feel a little, for Old Glory fans who are riding the wave of last weekend, it's going to seem a little low, but yeah, they've beaten one team so far. They've had one game, so I, I think it's it's too early to be too crazy optimistic, but I I do think they're they're getting up there. My, my model per- actually has them pretty low right now. It has them at ninth. And that's because the model is taking taking into account all of, or the second half of last season, I think the last six games of last season. And so starting this week, that means that their awesome 50 to 10 destruction of Dallas no longer counts in my model's estimation. And so that they actually dropped down a little bit despite beating Chicago convincingly. But that will start to fix itself if they they win more often. Hmm. I like it. I agree. I think again, it's only it's only one game and I can't do can't get too over eager. So my next question then is and I don't want you to reveal the inner workings of your model, but who do you have 
as number one in your power rankings so far? So it's actually, it's very close in the the standings. There's a lot of teams that have looked good, but were not great at the end of last year. And so there's a lot of, it's, this happens at the beginning of every season. The model is, is always a little confused at who's good and who's not because everyone's so different from last year, but it's still taking those numbers into account. Um, so Seattle is at the top, followed very closely by San Diego. Um, New England is third, and Houston is fourth. And those are they're really the the top pack at the moment. Yeah, hard to hard to argue with that. I think that's pretty solid. Mine's pretty similar. Um, I'll reveal mine officially tomorrow in the Rugby Morning Newsletter. Subscribe me if you haven't already. Um, but it's interesting that um, Rugby New York, who's um, one and one, they had a tough road loss uh, in round one in Seattle. They're a contender for sure. Um, they're in that four to five spot to start. But I think there's a clear tier of serious contenders. And I think they're right there in that mix. I actually disagree. Ooh. I don't think Rooney's a contender. Love it. Oh, I guess they're not Rooney anymore, are they? Well, you can call him no, Rooney if you want. I, I've, I'm not actually impressed with anything they've done. They had that road loss that first weekend. They didn't look great. They looked, they looked like they are a one-trick pony. They challenge at the breakdown, and that's about it. And then this week, they they beat Toronto, but Toronto looks so so bad. I mean, Injuries, just absolutely though. horrible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and for for reasons they. Yeah. I mean, I think they look bad despite, or even even if you take the injuries into account, you look they look bad. But I don't know. I think I think we're gonna see New York as a a bit of a sham soon. I think they'll challenge. I think they're going to beat some people. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be a walkover team, but I think we're going to get to they're going to be like the Nola of previous years mm. where they're going to they're going to beat some people. They're going to have an exciting style of play that makes people think they're a contender. They're going to absolutely crush some people because they're they've got that that style and so I think people are going to think they're contenders, but they're actually going to end up sort of 8 and 8 middle of the table by the end of the season i love it guys you heard it here first on glorious rugby AKP. spicy takes spicy hot spicy spicy takes i love it i wanted you to pump the brakes because we're going to cover a little bit more about our preview with new york but this was fine this is just a taste this is you know the yeah the, don't want to get ahead of myself that's right that's right but i love it i love the spicy take here early um speaking of spicy takes what a segue what a segue um speaking of Speaking of spicy takes, you released an excellent editorial a few days ago about Old Glory DC titled, Old Glory Needs to Play at Audi Field. AKP, talk us a little bit about the comic. Give us a quick summary, and then I want to dive in on some certain things, because I thought this was a really strong piece, and I think a lot of people in the know, in and around Old Glory, probably read it, probably couldn't like it publicly, for various reasons that we'll get into in a second, but I'd love to get have you give us a little brief summary, your thoughts on why you wrote it and why now. Yeah, so I'll admit to a little bit of clickbait in the in the title. I feel like I probably shot myself in the foot with that a bit. Uh, there was a lot more to my point than just playing at Audi Field, but that's the the headline that I knew was going to get get to people and get them reading it. So my argument was 
was basically this. If you weren't paying attention last weekend, um, not this past weekend, but the week one, um, San Diego had a a huge crowd, a record-breaking, record-smashing crowd at Snapdragon Stadium, their new stadium over there. And they went from playing literally on a, a practice field on top of a parking garage um, that could see it was something like 2,000 maximum. And so they went from averaging, you know, somewhere in the 1,000 to 2,000 range to having 1,100 people at their game. And it, it you know, 10x. 11,000. 11,000, sorry, yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, order of magnitude better attendance. And my argument was that DC has been at, Old Glory DC has been at Segra Field for a few years now. And at the time, it seemed like the right move. Segra was a professional stadium, um, which there aren't, there just aren't actually that many of those in the DC area. Places capable of um, supporting a professional team, having all of the amenities and facilities and the availability that you expect from a professional stadium and then and the only disadvantage of it is that obviously it's very far away and i think i've been a little complacent with sagra field like i it's a good enough experience when you're there i can see why the team moved there i can't really fault them for deciding to move there i know people don't like it and i know there's a lot of people who get who get very huffy about it, but it makes sense to me. I can I can see why they did it. But then I think seeing what happened in San Diego and seeing all of those fans there, it made me think, yeah, you know, there's we can do better than this. The the DC community can support rugby more than just the couple of thousand fans who come out to Sacred Field. Because frankly, if if Old Glory gets over 3,000 fans to a game this this year, I'm going to be very excited. That's going to be a, an achievement. That's going to be record-breaking for them. But then you look at San Diego and you think, we could do so much more. And part of that is moving to Audi Field. Um, or there are other options in the district, but moving somewhere that is aspirational, that people want to go, that is easily accessible for them, has the the features and the amenities and and all of that stuff. And then the other part of it, and this is the bit that I sort of wish I'd highlighted more in the the headline for the people who didn't who just sort of skimmed the article, is that promotion is really important. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. one of the what San Diego did, the reason they got that many fans out there, is because they promoted the hell out of that match. And they they got people out there. You you know, it doesn't just happen. You don't just accidentally end up with 11,000 fans. You don't just... It's not just build it and they'll come. You know, you have to let them know that it's happening. You have to let people know that, mm-hmm. that things are happening and that it's happening in a place that's exciting and that they want to go. And you have to... You have to make that effort. And that's something that Old Glory has never really done before they've they've always sort of played it safe with their marketing they haven't spent a lot of money to my 
understanding. They've mostly focused on word of mouth. They've mo- focused on the sort of media coverage that people are um, willing, just willing to give them. You know, pe- people like you and I covering it. Um, but they haven't done, you know, have you ever seen an old glory billboard driving on the highway? And the answer is no, because I don't think they have any billboards yeah. in the D.C. area. <laughs> have you ever seen NAD on the Metro? No, because they don't do that. Ever seen a TV ad or a, a Roku ad or a, you know, they haven't really promoted beyond their circle. And that it makes sense. Again, that stuff costs money. It takes organization and it takes having a product worth selling. You know, if you could promote the hell out of Sacred Field and you could maybe you could maybe increase it attendance fifty percent. Even if you doubled attendance, you'd still be at three thousand, four thousand fans. So you need to it needs to be a product worth selling. It needs to be somewhere that and that's why Audi Field is important. But you you also need to sell it. And I think that's, if anyone comes away with one thing, rather than coming away with the importance of Audi Field and whether it's workable or not, promotion is important. And I think that's what San Diego really proved, is that you need to make a good product and then you need to sell it, and you need to sell it hard. I'll get off my soapbox here. I've been, <laughs> that was quite a rant. No, I love it. That was great. I wanted you, to, <laughs> I loved it. I wanted you to keep going. I guess for just for those who maybe haven't read it, your specific proposal, you recommend or you suggest that Old Glory DC should work out an arrangement at Audi Field, which is home of DC United, Washington Spirit, the NWSL women's soccer professional team play. And I think the the Washington XFL team, kind of they all use that facility, but it's primarily home of, of DC United. Are you suggesting that Old Glory DC start playing their home games there next year, a few home games, one or two? What are you suggesting? Eventually, I want them to play every game at Audi Field, but obviously, that's that's a tough way to start. That would be probably trying to grow a little too quickly. And it's worth noting that the MLR has been successful so far because they've taken a, a grow slowly, steadily, and sustainably rather than just growing as quickly as possible. Um, so, I, yeah, every game at Audi Field is, is probably too much in the, the short term. But because they rent Segra Field, which is owned by DC United, the, the people who also own um, Audi Field, they actually do have an option, I believe, to host one game at, at Audi Field a year. And I think there were, they were thinking about that last year. I think there were, there were reasons that they didn't hold it, didn't do that last year, but I think this is the year for them to to start doing that. And I'm proposing this year. I think this year, a game at Audi Field. And obviously, you know, they're playing well right now. If they were to make the playoffs, that would be a, a whole different story. But I'm talking about regular season. Because you don't you don't know if you're gonna make the playoffs and you don't know you don't know if you're gonna be hosting games that soon, so it's harder to promote it. But I think they should pick a, a warmer game towards the the end of the season or the middle of the season where um, there's a good brand name opponent and we can can start promoting that game and promote it as a you know the game that's going to be at Audi Field and we can all bring our friends to it and and that's where I'd like the team to start is 
a regular season game every year at Audi Field. I love it. I think that that is a good stepping stone to something bigger, right? Like you said, sustainable, long-term growth. Why can't it work? And then we'll talk about why it can work. Yeah. So there are some specific tough things that make Audi Field difficult. And, you know, Snapdragon Stadium's brand new, and it's also not being used right now. So they have, because it's a college football stadium and college football's not being played right now, they have sort of free reign in Snapdragon Stadium right now, which is part of what makes it it work so well for them. Um, Mm -hmm. Audi Field, obviously, a lot of big tenants. Old Glory would be the the fourth professional team to to use it in a serious way. So um, DC United, obviously, is going to get all the good spots. There's the the Washington Spirit, the NWSL team, and the XFL there as well. And so you're going to have, they're all going to want good game, <clears throat> good games, good time slots on the weekend. And so we'll have to, we'll have to compete with that. And part of that is if you can bring, if we can bring fans in the stadium, if you can get people to show up to the games, then it's, it's worthwhile for the stadium to host you. If you can't, then they're not going to give you the best slots. Now, I feel like long term, that's going to, that has the potential to be sorted out. I think the F- XFL, I, honestly, if it even keeps going more than a year or two, um, they're probably going to want to move somewhere else. I am because the Commanders are building a new stadium, or at least are talking about it. They've been considering moving for a while, so there's a good chance I think that the XFL just moves in, co-locates with the Commanders, so that you know you keep all football at one place. It, It'd be easy to brand. You'd be easy to get football fans to keep coming out to the same place. So I think the XFL doesn't have a long life at Audi Field anyway. Um, and there's also other options in D.C. Um, if Audi Field doesn't work out from a full-time scheduling perspective, there are still other places. That, like, um, There's a chance that um, RFK will eventually, maybe at some point, in the future that's worth considering maybe uh be torn down and actually replaced um which is yeah, i think a... they are i think the i think yeah i think that's starting to happen they're starting to actually auction off some old seats from the stadium yeah the glory days of the washington football team and stuff like that so yeah but i've also seen i haven't i've yet to see a plan i've yet to hear yeah. of any official plan for what they're going to do so RFK's up in the air, but I know in the past there have been talks about building a new stadium there, much, much smaller, not RFK-sized, but, you know, if there was a 10,000-person stadium there, that would be absolutely perfect. stadium, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what's tricky about that plot of land, and I could be wrong, but I'm almost certain that the federal government owns that, not yes. necessarily the city not necessarily the district of columbia but certainly things could be worked out it could be purchased but it's such a huge property with all the parking lots already there with a major metro stop right there with some awesome youth facilities already there that um, that's an exciting development probably not short term as you were talking about but certainly you know there's not a lot of places to build in dc that has such a big footprint and that's certainly one place and you got to think that um, dc officials are, 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 are trying to figure out a way to make it work yeah, any professional team or to attract any other big attraction. So, yeah. Well, and DC, 
um, events DC who who really run a lot of this stuff in the city they they really are interested in keeping teams in the district they they really tried to get the commanders to come back but that just was never going to work um and right now for stadium options because rfk is off the table your stadium options for a professional sports team in in dc is audi field and that's it so there is a there's a strong argument that the the field that the the city needs more capacity for professional sports if they're going to keep a team like dc old glory dc in the district and obviously old glory has left the district because there just wasn't an option there so yeah so i i do have some hope that at some point someone will build another field that will be capable of hosting Mm -hmm. old glory but but we'll have to see on that but that's that is really long term and i think short term you just need to you can work out scheduling short term and it might not be ideal you might have fewer saturday at 3 p.m games which i know everyone loves and they're they're convenient but you might have to deal with the thursday night game if you were to play out of audi field all the time but these are the i think being at segra sets a it sets a real hard cap on how many people you're going to be able to get out because mm-hmm. every time someone looks into it they're going to think oh that's way too far away i mean i had the same experience yeah. with the washington spirit when i first moved to the city i was like yeah i'm not that interested in in soccer but i would get behind a women's soccer league i'd love to support that i'm a niche sports person so at the time they were they were pretty niche but they played out in the maryland soccerplex and it was not metro accessible mm-hmm. by any means and so right. i just never went i've still never seen one of their games because they were so far out now they play at audi field and their attendance has skyrocketed and you know maybe i'm jumping the gun here <laughs> Oh, sorry. I'll give it's you a like chance. It's almost like the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> yeah. If you put it in the district, they'll come. They'll come. <laughs> and that's that's not infinitely true. And the promotion is a huge part yeah. of it. Like, no. I do want to stress that it's it's always bothered me how little promotional glory does. It's made sense. I've understood it, but I've never been happy with it. And now they really need to, if they were to move back into the district, they would need to go hard on yeah. that. And it's, it's, I think it's time. They lose money on this. The owners are losing money on this team every year that they play. In fact, COVID, the COVID year, they said they saved money because they didn't have to actually put on yeah. games. And, and they were still paying the players, but even then it was still cheaper. Yeah. Well, th- and that's, three quick points. I, yeah. Sorry, sorry, go for it. Three quick points I want to jump on that about MLR owners and losing money. Uh, last episode um, of the Jacks Ranger show, Phil Harris interviewed um, Eric Anderson, who's kind of the co-owner of the New England Free Jacks, has an um, ownership stake in rugby ATL. And Phil asked uh, Eric, "Are you guys making money on New England?" And he was like, "No, we're not, not yet." And this is talking. This is a team that has really built a great culture up there and has seems to have a great stadium experience. I think they've got you know one of the best attendance records in MLR, and they're not you know making money yet, right? They're 
getting there, right? I think that's the hope for, for everyone. The two other points I wanted to bring up, and you talk about the Maryland Soccer Plex, and I've been out there, and I saw a Washington Spirit game out there, but, you know, it's interesting. There will be rugby action out there this year because the Collegiate Rugby Championship, the Sevens National Championship, hosted by national by NCR, is going to be played out there uh, this year. So we're going to have to go to that. Ah, but that's then, cool. third point, yeah, third point um, is that thinking about the long-term implications of rugby in D.C. and growing it. If you look down the line, right, everyone talks about how the Rugby World Cup is coming to the States in 2031 for the men and 33 for the women. Or maybe I have that switch, but I think I had it right. But if you're, D.C. is going to raise their hands as a city that's going to want to host a Rugby World Cup match. And if you look currently right now at the options, the best options are in the D.C. area, Audi Field, which I think is perfect, that mid-sized venue that you can sell out and make it a you know, a ticket that people really want to get and really hard to get, and you can probably raise the prices if the, the demand is there, right? You've got FedEx Field, which is a monster of a dump of a stadium that's out there, and yes, it's metro accessible, but it's not a great experience. It's also got 60,000, so it might be too big, you know, or if you go a little further outside of the D.C. area, you certainly have, um, you know, where Navy plays their football games in Annapolis, which could be interesting, but you got to think, if Washington, D.C. wants to be one of the host cities for the Rugby World Cup, they need a world-class stadium. And I think Audi Field can fit that as a mid-sized stadium that can pack it out and make it sold out right in the heart of D.C. So those are my thoughts about the long-term implications of how Old Glory D.C. could tap into that and build something as we look ahead still, you know, eight years out from a Rugby World Cup. Yeah, and I think it would be start good to start building that now i mean right now you don't expect to see rugby at audi field if you if you're someone who goes and watches games there you, you rugby is not on the list of things you expect to see there and it'd be time to start building that now to to start having rugby there getting people going out to games and even if they only catch a game and then don't come out again they still know that it's there they still have heard of old glory they might tune in and watch a game they might if they're looking for something to do, they'll they might consider it as an option. You just get so much from being in the city, and like you say, when the World Cup rolls around, they'll have heard of rugby. They might have seen a, a rugby game once. They might have they they'll be aware that this is a big deal, and they'll they might actually you'll get more people out to the games. I think Audi might even be too small for it'll be good yeah. for for some. You know, if we get a couple of the smaller teams and you want a stadium that isn't going to feel too empty, I think it'd be great for that. Um, but we've seen we've seen FedEx Field get packed out for the All Blacks before. So if you get a tier one versus tier one matchup, you could I think you could very well fit, fill up FedEx Field. Not necessarily the nicest stadium, like you say, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, FedEx they. 40,000, I was one of the fans in attendance for that USA Men's Eagles All Blacks match back in, what was that, November of 2022 or whatever that was, that the big monster blowout. But, hey, we did score two tries against New Zealand, which was great to see. That was hey, October KP, 2021, I love... and I know because it was right it during is. my honeymoon. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you'll never forget your honeymoon, and I guess you'll never forget that game either. So yeah, you know, I, I couldn't. Two things to remember the date by I couldn't swing uh, making a, the return trip from Hawaii right in the middle of my honeymoon just for that match. So uh, had to miss it, well, unfortunately. I don't blame you. 
Yeah. Well, AKP, I love the column. I co-sign on this idea. I think Old Glory DC needs to start now. Let's let's build that up one one game a season, maybe two as it starts to pick up. But I agree. I think you got to start planting that seed um, and really start promoting the heck out of it like the Legion did with their first game at Snapdragon Stadium. So I'm yeah. on board. I'm co-signing it. I think it's a great idea. Um, love to My see apologies to uh, Paul and Chris for for calling them out for their stadium choice. And, and obviously they know all of this. They've been thinking about all of this and planning all of this. Yes. And yes. this probably doesn't come as any surprise to them, any of my opinions, yeah. but I still felt it was important to put, put out in the world my view on that. Look, look, the ownership wants to hear from passionate fans, right? Passionate Old Glory fans, passionate rugby fans. They're familiar with the work. I was going to point it out that um, Paul and Chris, the owners of Old Glory DC, definitely read the column, right? Because one of your tweets before you broke down your recap of game one, and I think Chris Dunlavey said, you nailed it, right? And he liked it. He maybe retweeted it. I don't think he liked or retweeted your column, but you can be certain that he read it. I'm 100% certain he read it, but he probably publicly couldn't like or retweet it because of various things, and we don't want to get fans too excited and all that stuff. So yeah, um, and they've got to be responsible. On their part. Yeah, they've yeah. got to manage expectations, not yes. commit to anything before they know it can happen. But that's my advantage of not being an owner of a team. I just get to sit here on on air and say whatever I want and write whatever i want and write what's in my head and what's in my head right now is just that vision of 1100 and f- 1000 no 11423 11, oh my goodness you yeah. got no you nailed it that time you got it 1000 <laughs> i'm just not i'm gonna give up here but that image of that attendance Yes. At Snapdragon yes. Stadium, burned into my yeah. mind, and I've realized it just doesn't. It doesn't have to be like this in DC. We can do better, and I I really hope to see it. Well, I hope we have eleven thousand four hundred and twenty-four fans come out for an old glory DC Said new record at Audi Field sometime, <laughs> sometime in the near future, this season or next. But you talked earlier about you could just sit behind a mic and a keyboard and have some spicy takes. You shared a little bit earlier in the episode that New York is going to be maybe an 8-8 eight and eight team. So let's talk about New York. We got a round three. We got a big Sunday afternoon battle at their new facility, which was nice out there in Mount Vernon outside of New York City. Let's preview this New York Ironworkers All Glory DC match that's coming up. What do we know about this Rugby New York team after two rounds. Are they any good? They're one and one. It's it's a good question. I don't know whether they're any good. And I suspect they're probably pretty average. But the problem is they're a mixture of, of good and bad. We've seen they they have great they have some great players. I mean, Fidao, I'm sure we'll talk more about Fidao on the wing. He's been yeah. electric as always and just an absolute battering ram. Just hard to take down. They have some some great forwards. They challenge really well at the breakdown, and and um, they stole so many of Toronto's rucks. And so they have they have a lot of these great pieces, but then they also undo themselves. They're not clinical, which is something I feel like they were better at last year. They were a little a little more clinical last year, and that's what helped them get through. And they also 
commit a lot of penalties, especially at the breakdowns. They're so aggressive. They're so they're really trying to push the envelope that they they push too far quite frequently and um and they get called for it and that Toronto wasn't able to make them pay for it last week but the week before that um they were definitely made to pay for it and so as i said earlier in the podcast i think i think they're going to they're going to beat some people because there's there's going to be teams that can't handle that aggressive style of play that can't handle the disruption, the constant disruption, which New York does really, really well. And they're going to, some teams are going to fall to them. But at the same time, I think anyone who can hold their head and can keep themselves, play their own game and make, to make New York commit those penalties, I think will have a, a pretty good shot against them. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we, we've seen Rugby New York recently, right? We played them in a preseason hit out, and again, we probably didn't reveal too much, same with them, but we had an idea of maybe the style of rugby that they were going to play. You know, what did we learn from that, and maybe what can we look out for, you think, in, in this round three matchup? Yeah, so I think they're going to... They're really going to be very aggressive at the breakdown. They're going to be pushing the rules. They're going to be trying to be disruptive. They're going to be trying to steal those breakdowns and just push us out of the way. They're going to be um, trying to come off sides. They're going to be trying to go in for the jackal, and they're really going to be pushing us at the breakdown. And that if we can do a good job of defending the breakdown, we'll probably get them to commit some penalties, and that'll work in our favor. If we can't defend the breakdown, like Toronto wasn't able to this past weekend it could be a really rough time and they could steal a lot of our our good opportunities in the red zone i could i could see that happening where old glory gets down into the red zone and then oh there was a turnover oh we didn't defend a, a ruck well enough and they pushed us back and and now we're on on the back foot and they also are going to attack the edges really well they have ed fidau on the wing he's going to be an absolute battering ram um and just in general, they're good at getting the ball wide. They have physical centers who don't go down super easily. So that means they have time to make the offloads and get it out to the wings. And so that's something we saw in that preseason game. They got a lot of go-forward ball, just sending it out to the wings and, and getting the wings to crash it up. So that's that's something else that we could see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned a number of, of players that, um, you know, they've got a back line filled with a lot of playmakers, right? You mentioned Ed Fido, who, if he has any space in front of him, he is hard to take down, and he runs hard. And it's fun watching him run and plow through people. He's another name. They also got some injury concerns. I think Connor McManus, their starting scrum half, he left the game in round two. Not sure what his availability is for round three. I think uh, Benjamin Bonasso, USA, Men's Eagle, I think he got hurt in round two. We'll have to see what his status is for round three. But, you know, a couple of those players we talked about, Walden, who's a super rugby, I think a, a New Zealand all-black under 20 now in the back line. Um, are there any other players that make you nervous um, that New York trots out there? Yeah, it's difficult to say. I mean, Sam Windsor is always always makes me a bit nervous. He had an off-day kicking this weekend but he's someone who can punish you off the tee 
He's not a he's not the the league's leading point scorer for nothing. So definitely one to watch for. Yeah, we're definitely I think I think we're going to have our hands full with New York. Um again, they're playing at home. They came off a big win, 39-3 over a Toronto side that certainly had some some lineup issues, injuries, and things like that, and a couple guys got hurt during the game. Fortunately, thankful that what's his name, um, the winger, I think Davis, who um, who was yeah Cole Davis, who was Cole stretched Davis, off. Yeah. Apparently, he was fine, left the hospital afterwards, which is certainly good news for for fans across the league. I think we're gonna have our hands full here. I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about um, kind of our match day twenty three predictions, right? So we we know round one, the players that they trotted out, some guys off the bench. Some really strong performances from some newer names. You've done a good job of predicting the match day 23. Sounds like we've got some guys coming back from injury. I think Josh Sims and the coaching staff is going to have some some interesting decisions. You've talked recently about you know the international slot and, and flexibility and moving guys around. But let's talk about the match day 23. Let's start in the Fords. I want to start particularly um, at Hooker, right? Nick Suchin started, played really well. Uh, Facundo Gaddis came in. He also played well. Let's talk. To, let's talk about your match day twenty three. Who do you think is going to start in the forward pack? And we can go prop hooker and all and through. Yeah, I I personally wouldn't change anything about the forward pack. I thought it they worked really well together. I think that was um, Iscaro Suchin, and then actually I lied. There is one change. Um, I think Ramiro Herrera will be with yeah. the team he's been obviously they've been trying to get him in the country and get his visas sorted out i think he'll be ready and he'll have had a couple of weeks to practice with the team so putting him at tight head probably and then on the bench going for newcomer gaddis and then martinez yeah i'm excited for the addition of Herrera. i think he is going to really Again, elevate that for, that the Fords and I mean the, the five played the tight five played really well I thought in in round one but excited a caliber a caliber player like Herrera he's just going to bring good things and again provide more options and quality options um, in the reserves. Let's move back into the second row and the back row a little bit. Any changes you anticipate there in the second row? Oh, I thought it was interesting that they put. Finton Coleman in as the the backup lock. It seems like we might be playing him at lock more often. Um, and I guess he comes on as a a sort of because he's played a lot of back row for us as well. So he comes on as a more mobile and um, back row style lock, which I guess gives us sort of four back rowers. And if he can hold up in the scrums, why not? And then. Yeah. Corey Daniel, if he is coming back from injury, which he's supposed to, but you never know with these things. It will be an interesting question of whether you... How do you put him back into the lineup? Because Colin Gross had a great game. I mean, team of the week game. Mm -hmm. He made the the MLR's official first 15. Scored within 30 seconds of his (laughs) making his debut. So you want to keep him in the lineup it's tough not to keep him in the lineup but at the same time you've got last year's leading tackler coming back so and Lautaro Bavaro did a great job so a good problem to have but you're gonna have to decide between all of those players 
I agree. Definitely a good problem to have. I mean, I think Corey Daniel. I don't. He's such a great player, but you know, I love that there needs to be competition at every position, and I'm okay if Corey Daniel maybe comes off the bench in in round three, maybe just kind of get him back into the swing of things, and also, you know, continue to 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 push this notion that um, there's competition at every at every position here, and you're you're not just going to walk back onto the team and, and get a starting nod. But again, hopeful that Corey Daniel is healthy and will be able to play in round three. And I'm excited to see what Old Glory DC puts down for the match day 23. I just hope they do it. Some other MLR clubs have taken a long time to put out their rosters, but you know we can talk about that for another day. Scrum half, you got to think Danny Tusatala is going to start there um, again. Moving into the backs, yeah. um, I feel like we'll probably see Tito Diaz Benia start at 10 again. And then things get a little tricky in the center's position, right? Like a yep. number of guys stepped in, had some good games for Martinez. You know, Willie Talentano wasn't on the match day 23. You also had a young guy like Marcos Young who came off the bench and put in quality minutes. AKP, you're running the back line. Who are your centers going to be? Palamo had a good game too. He played nearly the entire game. What are you going to do in the center's position? Yeah, I guess... You know, putting Palamo in is always a good option. If if he's healthy, just keep keep running him out there. Uh, it's been a rare thing for him to be to be healthy for a full game. So, and yeah, I thought Fermin Martinez had a, a spectacular game. I think he got a little shafted, to be honest, in the the first fifteen. O'Keefe, his opposite number in on Chicago, was the one who got got the nod and honestly i think it was a mistake the amount of work that martinez did both as an attacking player he was i think he led the team in in meters gained and then he also was right up there in tackles second most or third most tackles on the team so i i don't see how you couldn't play him again put him in the starting lineup as good as Talatena has been for us and also, if there isn't a, a foreign spot for Talatena, then mm-hmm. I think the only way Talatena gets back in the lineup is if Kurt Baker stops stops playing. Yeah, and, and Baker had a great had a great round one, scored a try in his MLR debut. More than likely, probably trots back out there um, at fullback. But looking at your back three, are you making any changes for this round? Yeah, well that that is an interesting question, and because because of how New York likes to attack the edges, and because you have Fidel on a wing, and you know he's really a threat. You need someone who isn't going to be just knocked over by him. Um, mm-hmm. There, we could keep Junior Sao. He's got the physicality to go toe to toe with Fidel. So, I think we probably leave it the same. The good, the real question is what we do with Mike Tabulis. We talked about how he didn't look mm-hmm. super comfortable yet um, after after the Chicago games. So, do we keep him at at wing? Do we try him at fullback? Is is Kurt Baker going to want another run out? I feel like if he does, then you you want to run him out there. Um, I thought um, John Rizzo had a good game against Chicago he only came on for 10 minutes or so but he he looked good while he was there so maybe you put him in or maybe you take Marcos Young who is sort of a center but also plays a lot of back three maybe 
you stick him on the the other wing and maybe that gives you that physicality that you need as well so that you take someone who's who's normally a center and you stick him on the wing you've got a bit more size you got someone who's used to taking down hard runners it's it's a difficult problem there's a lot of ways you could take this yeah a lot to think about um again love having options right rugby in life it's always good to have options um so you know we're thinking about the the match day 15 but then of course you know the reserves and the international player slot if you had to throw out your reserves do you, are you doing a 5-3 you doing a 6-2 split what do you think makes sense in the matchup against New I think you definitely need a 5-3 split with the backs doing backs are going to have to do a lot of tackling work it's going to be tiring work and while they might not put in as many tackles usually Fairman Martinez an exception last week but they usually don't put in as many tackles but the tackles they do have to be spot on and they have to be they have to do a lot of running and round and so I think you could you could see them get tired you could potentially see them get hurt you don't want them to but you never know so I don't think you can afford a, a 6-2 split yeah I agree I think you think you're right I think this is gonna be a very I think it's gonna be a very physical game that's how New York plays. I think Old Glory can step to that challenge. I think we've seen that in the preseason. Um, and we've also seen that uh, they can put up some points. So let's jump into it. Let's talk our New York versus D.C. prediction. Who is winning? What's the score? Tell me why. I'll let you go first. So I have... I think Old Glory wins this. I think their tackling ability is going to keep... I think New York's going to look good they're gonna run well they're going to make have a lot of meters gained at the end of it but i think they're going to get frustrated that they can't punch it over the line as easily as they would hope and they will they'll make a mistake and it will it will be the end like we like i was saying they're not very clinical this year and i think that will come back to bite them with old glory's defense and just the tackle rate and just making them have to be clinical so I think DC wins, and I think they win by 10, maybe 7. I'll say 7. I love it. I'm also picking Old Glory DC to win, but yeah, uh, it's going to be hard for me to pick against Old Glory DC um, this season, but uh, maybe it'll come up, but we'll see. Yeah, I think this is going to be, I don't think this is going to be, I don't think Old Glory is going to score 42 points like they did against Chicago. I think it'll be a little bit tighter. I do think some points are going to, we're going to see some points. New York doesn't really score in bunches, at least they haven't. I mean, they have averaged, if you want to put it, they've scored 50 points so far across two games. Their defense is solid, but, um, you know, they went up to Seattle and then they hosted Toronto. And of course, Toronto only put up three. I think this game is going to be a tight physical game a battle of attrition i like old glory dc in this one to win by four i'm gonna go with like a 28 24 score old glory dc pulls it out against um against rugby new york yeah and the the model by the way has has new york by seven because they were very impressed by that toronto match i was not impressed but the the model was because The model is built to be impressed by a 39-3 scoreline. You know, I've been reading a lot about models and the, the input and the data that goes into it, particularly all these chat GPTs and AI stuff and the human biases and stuff that goes into the data set. So it's interesting that the model 
has New York by seven, whereas us humans, who may have a little bit of, maybe a little partial, has Old Glory DC winning. But we'll find out. I love it. You're calling me biased? <laughs> you think I'm biased in favor of the team that I run a, a website about and do a podcast about? <laughs> No. Who don't pay you, though. You're, slander, you're not on the payroll. Good man. Just, just to be fair. You're not on the payroll. So everyone knows there is some, 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 you know, some neutral here, right? You're not on the payroll. Um, it's true. Yeah. I just spend large amounts of my free time on all of this. Which is great. Love that passion. And we saw it in, in the editorial. And we see it here now. Let's take that passion Let's jump into the rest of our quick fire picks for round three of MLR. We're going to jump right into it. Friday night. Again, I love Friday night MLR games. It's it's fun to watch. We've got Dallas at home hosting the Seattle Sea Wolves. That's a Friday night 8 p.m., I believe, on the Rugby Network. Um, I'll pick this one first, and then I'll let you decide this one. Uh, Dallas looked better against Utah, which is good to see. I, I think you want to have a competitive Dallas this season for sure. I don't think they're going to get their first MLR win. I think Seattle is, is, is a pretty solid team. Again, a contender again. I like Seattle to win this one. It won't be a big score because I think Dallas will hang tight, but I like Seattle to win by, well, maybe it is big. I like Seattle to win by 15. Yeah. Dallas, I mean, how about Dallas going try for try with Utah? Both teams scored five tries, and the only difference yeah. is that Utah hit their conversion kicks. That's That was the difference in the match. So I do expect Dallas to be improved, but that Seattle defense is going to be harder to puncture than the Utah defense. So I'm, I'm going to have Seattle by 12. And the model is even more down on Dallas because they just can't, they can't, haven't been able to win yet. So it has Seattle by 18. Mm, wow. Okay. Okay. We'll track that for sure. Uh, the next game in round three is a Saturday evening rugby ATL at home hosting Nola Gold. Nola Gold certainly off to a disappointing start 0-2. They do have time to turn it around, but it looks like there's... A lot of issues there. I'm kind of surprised. I thought their their game plan, their offense, would be a little more high scoring. They've certainly have had some issues there. They're taking on, I think, a rugby ATL team that maybe is flying under the radar a little bit. I think rugby ATL is a is a better team than the record again. They're one and one. Um, I think rugby ATL at home, a stout defense. I think they they take care of of Nola Gold. Nola Gold may play a little bit better, but I like rugby ATL on this one to win by seven yeah i'm gonna go with my model on this one rugby atl by 14 i've nola's got a lot mm. to figure out and i don't think they're gonna do it anytime soon it maybe by the end of the season they'll they'll have figured it out but i yeah they've they've looked bad so far all right so we move into the next three games in round three they're all on a sunday afternoon which uh, it's tough, right, to have all three three teams, three games playing at the same time, essentially. There's there's the first game that kicks off an hour earlier. Uh, Chicago Hounds, their first home game in franchise history. They're taking on the Utah Warriors. Um, I'm going to let you pick this one first because I still don't know who I think is going to win this game. So I'm going to punt it to you, AKP. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take Chicago by three. 
I'm I'm also very undecided. The model's also very close. It has Utah by by one, but actually, if you if you don't round the numbers, that has them by point nine of a point, zero point nine points. So it's it's basically a toss up. I think Chicago though will. They're going to have a couple of their their players who have been out are going to come back, and I like them to after a a week off and a week of reflection and a little bit more of that Sam Harris coaching, I th- I think they pull it out. Yeah, and as of five seconds ago, I'm still undecided, but i got to make a selection here. And you're right, I think Chicago is getting some players back. I don't know if Billy Meeks will be back, if he does come back for this one, which may be short because it looks like he's still in L.A. I saw his Instagram this morning. Um, can't determine if he's going to be in Chicago for that, but I think Julian Dominguez, their wing, who explosive players can score a lot of tries, I think he'll be back. It certainly tilts things in Chicago's favor, certainly playing at home tilts things in their favor. Potentially a big crowd there, an MLR record-setting crowd. I don't know. It depends on what the weather's going to be like there in Chicago this weekend, but uh, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to go with your model. Something about Utah, the continuity. They've played a couple of games already. I don't want to say they took Dallas lightly, but I think they're a team that is still kind of putting it together, figuring it out. I think they're going to win this one. I do think it'll be close. I like Utah by three, and that might be an unpopular pick, but I'm going Utah by three. All right. Moving on, we've already talked about New York and Old Glory DC. That's a three o'clock kickoff uh, in New York. And then the final game of round three. Houston at home hosting the San Diego Legion, the top two teams in the Western Conference, potentially the top two or three teams across MLR. Houston's looked really good. San Diego's looked really good. Houston is at home, as I just mentioned. Uh, they've played really well. They're, they're a good defense. They're scoring some points. San Diego seems like the you know they just came off a big win at home against New England. I think they stifled New England. I think a lot of people maybe were a little surprised by how San Diego was able to toss them aside, if you will. I'm going to give the edge to Houston on this one. I think physically they're just more aggressive and dominant that I like Houston in this one by five. Yeah, it's a tough one. The model agrees with you, Houston by three, but that's pretty much just home field advantage um it pretty much views them as equals and it's just giving houston the nod because they're at home personally i i feel like i've seen more from san diego i feel like houston's had a little bit of an easier schedule so far so True. true i'm gonna take san diego and i'm gonna take them by three I, th- I think it's it's two good teams, and frankly, I don't know which way this one's going to go. I'm very excited to watch it. I agree. I'm excited, too. I think round three's got some really tasty matchups on um, in store for, for fans. Those three Sunday afternoon games are going to be fun to watch. Of course, I love a good Friday night rugby. Um, round three is going to be um, exciting. Old Glory DC back on the field, taking on New York. Um, a lot of things to look forward to. Very optimistic about what's going on um, across the league. AKP, before we close it out here, any final thoughts, any final words ahead of this big clash against New York? Not really. I'm excited to see what happens. I'm glad we're 
we're going to be back on the field. We're going to be cheering for rugby again. It was nice to have a little break, especially for me. So much preseason prep and then getting a week off was nice. But yeah, I just want it to be on Old Glory to be playing. I want them to be winning and I'm excited to see what happens. Love it. Couldn't have said it any better myself. For AKP, I'm John Fitzpatrick. I'm excited for Old Glory DC against New York in round three. Everyone, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Let's go, Old Glory.